welcome back to another episode of the Protection Podcast, the nasally edition of the Protection Podcast this week. Myself, Stuart Court, and Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we? I'm good. You were very borderline questionable, doubtful yeah. on the injury report, but yeah. like all, you know. Pete nearly gave me another week to make my season debut in New York, but. I heard you had a couple of illegitimate injections or whatever, and that sorted yeah. you right out. Just don't don't tell the testers, and we're fine. No, no, we're no, fine. No, no. Uh, yeah, this week the Seahawks are two and one. They won a home game, which is a weird rarity uh, in the last couple of years. And joining us to go through that and everything else, Seattle Seahawks and Seattle sports is one of our favourites. Uh, Stacey Rust, how are we? Uh, good. I'm so sorry that you're sick. Pete would call it. Um... He's he's got a, a a throat, or you know how he describes injuries. It'll yeah. be a broken leg. He's got yeah. a leg. You know, we got. Yeah, I think Stu's got. I think Stu's got legit, legit COVID. He's got legit, legit COVID. It's pretty legit. Yeah, so, he's got a long issue. So there's a there's a comedian over here called Freddie Quinn who thought he had COVID and it turned into Legionnaires, which is like an 18th century disease, and he was yeah. in uh, ICU for like uh, nine days. Yeah, like yeah, God. it's inc- yeah, it's mad. Um, yeah, that's it's a it. great way to bring the mood down. Yeah, no, yeah, it's just, it's, let's just it's, no, let's it's, keep talking about let's talk yeah, about yeah, TV. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got Black Death or <laughs> yeah, anything? Yeah, like yeah, that? consumption. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just, yeah. The Seahawks are two and one. Uh, I don't. It was. Well, I don't think you called it the longest game in history at s- several points. Oh my god, I was so bored. <laughs> it was so bad that. Well, look, the second half was great, but the first half. Was when you're clock watching and it's a nine o'clock start, and all of a sudden it's ten o'clock and it's ten thirty, and you know Jacob is going to wake up between six forty-five and seven fifteen in the morning, which is fine. Like I would take that all the time, but when it's ten forty and it's not even half time, or <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Keep your flag in your trousers, referee. Let poor number 79 off. Just let him full start a couple of times. It doesn't matter. I just want to go to bed. Um, and I text a number of people, including players on the team, saying, can you just not have games that boring again? Because it was so boring until it wasn't. <laughs> and then I was sort of so frustrated by how boring it was that I sort of don't think I got to enjoy the good part, which was the second half. But it was great. Yeah, the, the second half is all I watched because um, I was at work. Uh, yeah, I'd like I saw your moaning and a few other people in several group chats. I was like, "What are they moaning about? This is like this is this, this is fun. This is quite like comfortable." And Gino looks good, and Corey Parkinson's a thing. All of a sudden, it's yeah. I think we out of con complete context of the first half. The second half was fun. What did you make of it? Because I'm pretty sure they ran out of commercials. That's how many breaks there were. <laughs> That's probably what it was. So I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I was late to the game. So we had um, a post-game thing to film afterwards. So I took way too long getting ready for it because I had to make sure that I'd still have makeup on my face in four hours. So I'm like caking it on. I got the fake lashes going on. I realize I'm running late. I go out the door. I get into a tiny fender bender. I go through security. The woman knocks over my bag. It's like a, a, a calamity of errors. This just keep, they keeps going on. So I get there at like the beginning of the second. And um, so when I walk in, I'm listening to the broadcast. And I, I said this to, uh, to uh, Jackson Bevins. I just talked to him the other day. And I said, I could just tell from the broadcast like that it maybe was a little slow moving or frustrating. But then I got there and I was like, wait a minute, like they're pitting up points. Where are these? Po- oh, 
oh, they're just settling for field goals every single time. Like they are not finding the end zone. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it's so funny because this is a team now who knows what the rest of the season will be, but this is a team that if you guys remember, um, to start the first several weeks of the season last year was leading the NFL in scoring in the first quarter, specifically with almost averaging a full touchdown in the first quarter. And that was always something that Russell Wilson had lamented them not doing, right? He wanted them to start so much sooner than they normally did. So I thought, well, maybe this is like a Shane Waldron offense when he has pieces that work for his offense. Maybe they are fast scoring. That was not the version that we saw here. <laughs> this was, but this is more of an old school Seahawks offense that we saw with Russell Wilson. I don't know what's sort of getting into them. They, it's as if these home games, they sort of enjoy the torture element of it. Yeah, on the road, they love the they're, tease. Yeah, they're so fluid <laughs> on the yeah. road. Like that Detroit game, they could do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted to do it. And it's almost as like, I don't know, maybe the tickets aren't expensive enough on FanDuel or whatever, you know, or, or you know, whatever SeatGeek or StubHub. They're like, you know, you're not paying enough for these tickets. And we're not gonna we're not gonna score touchdowns early on. We're not gonna, gonna give you a show. It. Yeah. What the hell do you think you're here for? I, I don't know what it is, but it, it's funny because watching the team now, it Sue and I have joked in the past that like Bobby Wagner gives the speech that rallies the team. Well, I mean, surely Pete Carroll should do that. And then Jaron Reed is signed sort of off the scrap heap and turns into Chris Jones. Like it is full (laughs) vibes Seahawks right now. And it's, you know, analytics people, which we are not one, but they hate stuff that you can't quantify. Um, And I think we've said a few times here, you know, we're not always the biggest Pete Carroll fans, but I think because we're quite detached from sort of the Seahawks community and what the team's Mm -hmm. all about, but it's hard to disagree or, or sort of go against the idea that, they just build a culture where it's vibes and yeah. somehow that drags them through more than, and I think it is more than other teams, but I don't understand how it happens, but you're in the community. What what are the traits that you think you're seeing to make that happen? I mean, so much of sports is mental. And I think that this has been the thing that's taken me longest to understand as someone who did not play and who covers is there would be games when someone had a horrible game. And you go up and you have to ask the question as a reporter, hey, what happened? And the player's frustrated. And for the longest time, I'd be like, this guy just doesn't like being interviewed. He's not giving me anything. God, this is so annoying. I have nothing to write about. And then you realize that sometimes what they want to say is just way too X's and O's over your head. And it's not anyone's business outside the team. So they're not going to tell you. Other times it's just, yeah, I messed up. um, And then I got in my head and then I couldn't perform. (laughs) no one's going to say that, but it's a very, very real thing that people experience. I mean, we've been talking about it all week with the Mariners, right? The idea of like them putting too much pressure on themselves in certain moments and being way too aggressive with their swing decisions. Like that same kind of thing applies to all sports. So I think that um, what Pete Carroll does a great job with is making people believe in themselves. And that sounds so lame. (laughs) It sounds like very uh, PBS special, but He really does. Like, I truly think that Pete Carroll didn't tap into what Gino could do in the way that, um, you know, some uh, special quarterback coach guru could tap into, you know, what someone does especially well. Rather, he tapped into very quickly uh, that I think Gino would play better and respond better when being assumed to be a leader. That if he had that responsibility, he would meet the moment. So, to begin the offseason last year, it was, Gino, you're getting 100% of the reps with the first team. This was not a 50-50 split. This was not truly an open competition because I think he sensed 
if Gino thinks I truly believe in him, Gino will believe in himself. And Gino has plenty of confidence in himself. I don't think he was lacking, but like, I do think that does something like there is something to be said for a coach that is so consistent, religiously consistent with his messaging that you start to believe. Yeah, but we kind of saw like 49 examples of that on Sunday as well because all weekend because the Super Bowl team was all back and that's kind of like yeah. the conversations and the comments and the Instagram captions we saw like Sunday night, Monday morning from pretty much all of them. It's like it's all that kind of like collective, maybe not belonging, but that's the, the impact that Pete had 10 yeah. years ago and you're starting to see it's still in certain different ways happening 10 years later in the same building. Totally. There's just like a confidence you have and, and that can go with anything. I mean, I, um, this is only slightly related, but, um, KJ Wright was on with Brock and Salk this morning and he was asked, Hey, why don't they take Bobby Wagner out of some of these third down situations when they're passing downs? Like Bobby clearly isn't as great with pass coverage. And KJ was like, Hey, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And he was making his case for Bobby. But then he said like, what do you think it does for a quarterback or a couple offensive players when they turn to the sideline and see 54 on the sideline, they're going to feel a little more confident. Like they're going to be like, oh, hey, we got a we got a chance here. Like, even if that player isn't the best player they have in pass coverage, which Bobby certainly is not, there is a lot of um, like mental play that goes into a game. And I think that when you are uh, a player who you know goes to a Pete Carroll led Seahawks team or to a Bill Belichick led Patriots team, even if they haven't been anything close to what they were with Brady, you just think like, oh, we're going to win. This is a team that wins. And yet, like Matthew Stafford was relishing Bobby Wagner being on the field, maybe because he literally was watching him play for the previous year, sort of in his own team. But it was as if like Andy Dalton got sort of PTSD from playing the Seahawks in his Bengals days and thought, well, send the fuck away from that. Yeah. (laughs) It was so weird. I really thought that um, I thought the Bengals would use Hayden Hurst and Miles Sanders a lot more over the middle in those routes that Seattle had been giving up a ton. And instead, and maybe this shouldn't be surprising because it's a bit more how Andy Dalton likes to play. He was targeting like deep along the sidelines and you just saw these guys getting burned. It, they have yet to figure out some serious problems with the pass defense and that became obvious. But I mean, the Bengals also, excuse me, not the Bengals, uh, Andy Dalton and the Panthers uh, also didn't find their way into the red zone too often. So and it was have- in that sense of Ben, but don't break. They also have the slowest receiving corps in like, yes, like <laughs> not sport because that's only one sport. But all my days, like yes. there was no like this separation was usually a burst. It, it wasn't because through design and yeah, uh, I said speed. It was it was weird uh, on on Gino. Obviously, last year that's always as you say, like it wasn't his like officially, but it was his. Have you have you like noticed any difference being around the VMAC through camp and for the first few weeks of how he's like? took the leadership uh, on a different level this year in year two? It's the, to me, it feels the same as it did last year. I don't get to be at the VMAC for every practice the way that I did before I was hosting just the time of our show co- overlaps with practice. Uh, but as far as camp and as far as the tone he takes in press conferences, it's very much how he was last year. But that was not who I thought Gino was. So it's very cool to see that version of him come back. Um, but I do think... I don't know that he would like openly admit this. I don't even know that he would agree with me. I do think that that version of Gino that we saw last year that we see this year is one that has come with time and maturation. And, you know, Russell Wilson at 24 was spewing out like 
perfect PR language and you can't hate him for it. Like he was doing at the time, people thought he was brilliant. They were like, oh, my God, this is like a dream face of the franchise. No one was hating on him for it. Um, like, I don't know that Gino was necessarily that guy at 24, but he seems so authentic now and really mature now. I'm sure you guys saw the video of him talking with Jackson Smith and Jigwa on the sideline. Like a moment like that, I do think that that's a version of Gino that is very real. Like I think that's who he is on and off the field. Also, the thing with that uh, uh, JSN clip as well, he spoke about it with Ryan Clark and he said that like, I've been in that situation like where he's kind of yeah. like, pushing to make an impact kind of thing. And so I kind of know how what path to go down kind of thing. It, it was a really cool um interaction as something we didn't really see that often um yeah. from the, the the prior uh starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks because but then I guess the personalities are a bit bigger on uh those teams and the receiver core especially yeah that's true it was uh it was a different vibe I think that Gino was just much closer with the guys that he's with he unlike Russell didn't come in being the same age or younger than a lot of them he he came in being already 31 last year um and so you already have a mentorship role but like i don't know you know it's he says things that are just they feel very authentic they resonate a reporter told me last year like you know gino would be in the locker room playing cards with receivers like you would never see i was actually a reporter when russell was there you would never see him in the locker room ever i think i saw him in the locker room like three times like he just you know what i mean he'd be i don't even know what he'd be doing watching film doing whatever at quarterback meetings I don't know that it's that weird to not see a starting quarterback in a locker room all the time, but like Gino is, and I do think that makes a difference. At what point do you think the theory around Gino is going to shift from stopgap to the guy? Because like, I know he got a contract, but even the contract is very easy to escape from in reality. Like it's not a contract that suggested a huge amount of faith. It's kind of a contract that suggested you're not getting any offers elsewhere and we're the best you've got and you're going to like it or lump it. And mm-hmm. even if he does really well, like the Seahawks can't afford that much money next year. If he hits all those es- escalators, it may almost be weirdly financially prudent to get rid of him, which is unbelievably brutal. I know. But at what stage do you think the city's consensus is that like he is the quarterback of the city? I mean, I think, you know, let's say they continue to win which um the Bengals have amazing talent I'm very nervous about Joe Burrow a healthier Joe Burrow and the Bengals wide receivers you know to your point about the Panthers wide receivers being slow there were several plays that were drops or batted balls or you know a receiver not being able to get there in time when I thought what does this look like against better receivers I think they're getting torched on this play like there were a couple moments like that against Carolina so but the Bengals they haven't looked phenomenal. So, like, if they beat the Giants, beat the Bengals, you beat the Cardinals, all of a sudden you have one loss, a very ugly loss, but one loss to start a season. People start getting excited. You know, you're you're getting, uh, you know, through October baseball at that point. So it's kind of all Seahawks all the time. Like, I think people start getting really excited and they start looking at them like that. Unfortunately, and this is really, really unfair, and I think this is me being pessimistic, I think because of Gino's age, because of – the way that he assumed this role, there will be people that forever view him as the best case scenario for a bridge player. And he'll never be more than that. And it's, it sucks. Like it's really unfair. Gino could come out and have significantly better numbers than Daniel Jones or Justin Fields. But by virtue of them being drafted quarterbacks by that team and in their twenties, 
you know what I mean? They're seen as like, well, what if you tap into this guy? Whereas I, I do think there will be a population of people that will at the very best be like, no, Gino can really help you out for now, but you got to find the answer. I think there's people that still want to see what Drew Locke has. Oh, a thousand percent. I see it all the time. There was someone after I mean, we He won, is rubbish, he, by the way. He's horrible. What? No, that sounds mean. He's not horrible. Gino way, is so has, good. A, has anyone from the Jets even suggested trading for Drew Locke? No. No. <laughs> I was, I can't remember. It had to have been after week one, but it might have been before. We had a caller tell us uh, we were taking callers talking about expectations for the season or the offense or whatever. And he said he truly believed that Gino and maybe the backup Holton Ayers or something. I don't even remember his name um, was, was better. And I was thinking, what, what could you possibly be seeing from Gino? And then from, from Drew and Holton in the limited snaps he had that, that makes you think Gino isn't as good. And this is where I think those, narratives and stereotypes come into play um and in this case i just mean seeing gino is like i think people when a quarterback comes in like gino you think oh he's a game manager like this is a guy that is going to be a bridge and so he is going to play it safe and i will be the first to admit that when gino initially was named the starter i thought oh this is pete carroll playing it safe he knows that uh drew will take more chances and gino will be smarter with the ball this is this is what this decision is about but Gino is so much better than that. And I think if we've learned one thing since then is that is that Gino was not brought here to like, hey, be Alex Smith, which by the way is better than people give him credit for. He was he was brought here to be a prolific passer. Maybe not Patrick Mahomes, who is. <laughs> Maybe not Joe Burrow, how many people are. But a hell of a lot better than like was Jimmy G with the 49ers or like the plan there. Like the plan isn't erase Gino and put all this talent around him. The plan is how can Gino make all of us better? And uh, I think that there's still some people that, that look at Drew and they think like, well, this guy has this special thing about him where he'll take chances and Gino will only keep it safe. And it's like, Gino's pretty dang creative. Like, I'm sorry, but that the play that he had with a two point conversion to Tyler Lockett, like that was Russell Wilson esque when we all loved Russell Wilson. <laughs> how do you look at that and think like, what's this guy doing? That's not what a safe quarterback does. That's what a quarterback does. Who knows he's smart enough to recognize the situation, recognize he can take a chance, be just mobile enough to keep a play alive, but also aware enough to find his receiver who he trusts in the end zone. Like it was, it was a great play. There's also a few throws, particularly against Detroit where it's like, yeah, the, the previous quarterback wasn't making those stories, even though the, like the moon ball was infamous and everything else. Like Gino's got at times like a surprisingly legit, um, even like oh, like darts. Yeah, like there's a couple. There's yeah. a yeah, it's he's he's really surprisingly uh, doing well. Also, uh, after week one, Stacey, we tried our best not to like burn the burn the, burn the house down, and then last week we tried not to lay too much at the door of Jason Myers and he yeah. replied with five field goals. So maybe <laughs> Adam Wills were onto something here. Maybe we need to pick some out for this week and watch it come to fruition next Monday night. Yeah, I mean, presumably people were freaking out a little bit about Jason Myers and presumably people were freaking out a lot after week one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I, I tweeted out um what I thought was a very, it was in the third quarter, so it was before it was over, but I just, I think in the third quarter, all of us were like, they're losing this game. Like, I'm, I'm sure you guys felt the same. You were like, this doesn't feel, this feels gross. Like, this is not, I don't think this is turning around. 
Uh, and so I tweeted out like week one is kind of the worst measure of your team. Like it, it's a version of your team. There is truth to it to take away and, and substance there, but it's not the complete picture of who you are and who you will be and who you can be. So just like look at it, let it sit with you and then kind of like see what happens over the next couple of weeks. People lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I had like 200 comments. I got ratioed. I, I was like, <laughs> I can't, I'm being like canceled in real time. Uh, and I thought it would be something so much more dramatic than this. Um, but people were livid by your Pete bench DK trade Gino. I mean, it was, people were done and it was a very insane reaction, but an understandably emotional one. But in reality, like there's no sport where you go from naught to 60 in a heartbeat. And I understand, <laughs> I understand why teams don't use the preseason to actually do anything because the risk yeah. of injury does not outweigh the reward of a few plays, but with the 17th game, the first game is kind of the last game of preseason, as far as I, as far, you, know, you can afford to lose it and it doesn't hurt you at all. And I don't think it's going to hurt the Seahawks at all in the long run. But obviously, you know, because your off season is so stupidly long, this nine month nonsense <laughs> of having to talk about this stuff, like we're, we're, we're in soccer, we're two months back at I know, it. You guys no messing no around, <laughs> no messing around. But you, obviously you whip up into this frenzy for week one, but really week yeah. two, and you know, this is a, a, maybe something to take into next year. You know, Wednesday before week one next year, announce that in your mind yeah. this is the last game of preseason. Yep, yeah, this is preseason you for want. you guys. Yeah, this <laughs> is preseason game four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they moved they, the start time back. That's it. That's the only thing that's changed. This is, let's, let's be real about where we are right now. And I'm These sure guys that, haven't played together. Yeah, and I'm sure the players, in a way, feel the same. Like, I was looking at someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, you know, hasn't necessarily been as productive as people mm -hmm. thought he was going to be. Now, when I was, and this is a ridiculous comparison, but I played a bit of flag football once with some Americans and I could run all the routes and catch all the balls when a guy was just throwing it to me. He was like, yeah, run six steps that way, three steps that way, turn around and catch. This is easy. Then I went into a game and I was like, what on earth is going on here? There's teams, there's people trying to stop me from doing this and they're going to hit me quite yeah. hard. And I just feel like with someone like him, he's in that position where it's not as easy as training camp and that's fine because we're hoping yeah. he's going to be a Seahawk for the next 10 years. Um, yes. And all of it just feels so, and I look, the NFL is the prime for this because you only get 17 shots at it, but everything is scrutinized to such an nth degree that it almost becomes a little bit overkill and boring at times because you can't stay at a 10 out of 10 of level of emotion for three months. You have to yeah. build it up to a crescendo. Yeah, I think that there's, it's not that there isn't passion and emotion from fan bases of any sport around the world, right? Like, but there is a kind of intensity that mirrors the sport of football when it comes to its own fans that you absolutely see reflected when games are horrible. Like you, you absolutely see, and again, like you mentioned it perfectly, football has a sense of urgency because of the length of the season that a lot of other sports don't. And so you're going to get people going, if you don't fix this, you're going to regret it in about two weeks because you got about four weeks to figure out who you are. And most of the time that's like almost true. You know what I mean? Like if you look horrible and you're zero and four to start the season, you're probably not a playoff team. Um, but you can also get hot late in the season. Like had Seattle not beat the lions last year, the lions who won seven of their last nine would have been, uh, you know, a, a playoff team maybe um, like they, they turned it on. They got hot. They figured out who they were. It was, slightly too late but like right 
right at the you know <laughs> where you start to worry but um yeah no it's <laughs> i understand it and part of my job and this is really hard is reacting to it and is coming in on the monday and going okay how do i come up with four hours of talking about a game that was horrible some of it's naturally going to be overreaction uh which can sometimes feel like you're doing a disservice but like i think that there is a lot we have yet to figure out about the Seahawks team and things that we easily forget, like Jackson Smith and Jigba had surgery on his wrist two weeks <laughs> ago, you know, like, like just a little thing like that. Like, Oh yeah, he is coming back from, from surgery and did miss uh, a, a chunk of time there. Also the trade-off with JSN having a slower start than maybe he wants. And maybe obviously was anticipated is Colby Parkinson, Noah Fant, and Will Dizzy, although Will Dizzy didn't yeah. having a pretty strong, especially Parkinson, having a pretty strong yeah. opening salvo to the season. That that is like legitimately like just a trade off, isn't it? That Parkinson, yeah, and it's involved. very very so, cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And about time for Noah Funk too, because I've been banging that drum. You love Noah, Stacy. Let me tell you. There is no bigger Noah fan jersey, including a uh, fan, including his own family, than Stuart Court. Uh, I, I, yeah. I absolutely I, love it. There's a tweet from like 2015. I was like, oh, that Iowa tight end looks quite good. And it wasn't George Kittle. Uh, it, was, it was the other <laughs> one. Um, There's yeah. still time for Noah to surpass George. You know what? Give uh, it time. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, I'm not even sure Stuart's yeah, yeah. with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. He has he's got the flags, he's got the scarves and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, there, maybe uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave uh, Stacey in the spotlight without that take. Uh, <laughs> Um, on, on the other side of the ball, Devin Witherspoon for the second second game. Like we talked after the Rams game, where like the juice just wasn't there, and then obviously with Jamar yeah. coming back, that's going to be in the brackets it up. So probably too much, but like, he he's he's got he's got that he's got that swagger. He's mm-hmm. got I mean, the hilarious one is when was it overthrown, and he did like the posing up. I'm like. Oh, that's my favorite. It's overthrown by like five yards and it's like, not on me. Not on me. Yeah, yeah you had no impact in that place. Andy Dalton yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing the football. That's the biggest impact. Yeah. I also did that in my living room because I had as much of an impact on that play as Devin Witherspoon did, just so you know. Right. The two of you just. I was Conor McGregoring up and down, yeah. up and down the living room. It was great. Uh, like, this is my house. Literally, it is my house. But, but he's like, he's like him, the, how he looks through two weeks and him not. Barely playing a snap with Tariq Woolen or Reek Woolen. That's kind of exciting on that back end, especially yeah. now with the addition of Jamal after 55 weeks, 54 weeks. Yeah, I'm curious to see how many reps Jamal actually gets. But um, once he is kind of up to full speed or once they figure out how they want to use him and work him in, I cannot wait to see both he and Devin on the field together. Witherspoon and Adams are, I think, two of the more intense. It, I don't know Witherspoon as much, but it would seem the two more intense personality types where their physicality and personality kind of matches up. You know what I mean? Like Quandre is really funny. He's a, he's a physical, you know, guy. Um, you know, Bobby's really serious. He's a hard, but like when the, when the intensity and physicality and all kind of comes together and you're like, this guy's a ball of energy on and off the field, that can be really fun to see. So I'm excited to see the two of them out there. Um, Witherspoon is bigger than I thought he was when people were talking about him during the draft and they were like, Oh, he's a little undersized. I thought he'd be like, you know, undersized in the way that like when I first saw Ken Walker, I was like, Oh, he's quite a bit smaller looking than is like Rashad Penny or whatever. 
but when I saw Devin for the first time, I was like, ah, I feel like the Seahawks have had a corner around this size before. Like this isn't, you know, uh, an especially undersized dude. Um, he's a hard hitter. He, I think, can bring a physicality that this defense, and it's not a knock on anyone, has felt like it's been lacking. Like the best thing people loved about the Legion of Boom was obviously the boom aspect. Like it was very clearly the hard hitting. Uh, it wasn't kind of, the like, legion play. that people liked. It wasn't the, the legion. legion. It was the boom. Yeah. Very much the boom. Like, yes, the interceptions from Richard Sherman were great. You know, it was also awesome watching Cam Chancellor. And, um, you know, obviously Witherspoon is a corner and won't have exactly the same role. But, like, you want to put some fear in an offense. And I think uh, analysts and critics and offensive coordinators that are facing Seattle don't have a ton of fear of that defense right now. And so... Um, and some of that's deserved. So I'm very curious to see, you know, what kind of, you know, improvement they can give to this team outside of just, you know, oh, they'll knock down a few yards. I'm talking about like what kind of physicality, what kind of hard hits, what kind of, you know, not not allowing those missed tackles or slipping, you know, a tight end slipping away and then going for 80 yards. Like no more of that. Like what can these guys deliver? Yeah, the, the amount of posing potential on Monday from Jamal and Devon is just just is it, like I, I hope there's I hope there's a man in cast. It's gonna be like one of those videos when someone's driving down the road in Canada and two Alks are just putting heads. That's what it's gonna be like in defensive backfield. Exactly, it's I like can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Uh, Jaron <laughs> Reed, um, uh, shout out Mike Brown who said Jaron Reed is elite when he's coached by Clint Hurt. I mean. Like yeah, he, he was jawing to the crowd. I think in week one, this is my city kind of thing, which. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a signing and a return I expected, but it's he's 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 carrying his load up there when he's he's signed by a lot of young dudes making their mm-hmm. way. Like it's like Boye Mafe, in particular, seems to be thriving with Jaron inside of him. Yeah, it's very very cool to see. I fully expect it. I did not think that, um, and this sounds harsh. I did not think that Jaron Reed would have the impact that he's had so far. I thought it would be Dre Jones, and Dre Jones would come in here and he would just you know, be coming from a defense that was really solid last year and would look so much better than the other guys on the defensive line who were either a little bit older or less experienced. Uh, And then they brought in Jaron Reed, and I thought, well, sometimes Pete likes familiar faces. And sometimes those familiar faces come in and don't do much of anything, but he just likes people that know his program. And I had seen versions of that before. Uh, This is a familiar face who came in and made an immediate impact. And not only that, but has quickly been one of their better defensive players. It was such an underrated signing. Um, And uh, I, I'm still waiting for the Dre Jones aspect to kind of take off. We'll see if he can get through a hip injury this week. But I, I think that uh, my co-host Michael Bumpus really, really had a lot of faith in the, the pairing, he likes Edwards, but the pairing of, of Reed and Jones up there on the defensive line, he was like, I'm telling you, they can be really great together. I think Dre just hasn't gotten his feet under him quite yet. Yeah, yeah I suppose if there's one slight concern thus far, it's that Dre Jones and Jordan Love probably haven't yeah. looked as good as no. sort of, you know, if you're laying you know, price tag down what you'd expect from those players, yeah. they've not maybe looked as great as you would hope. And it's it's something that's not uncommon for sort of big money Seahawks signings. I think you know, Quinton Dunbar, Kerry yeah. Williams, I remember just being a disaster when they tried <laughs> to bring him in and, and teach someone the system. And I suppose that's the only slight concern that, and you're back to this sort of intangible thing that like you're a Seahawk or you're not, and kind of becoming mm-hmm. one is not always that easy as as daft as that is when we're talking about sport. But 
I suppose that's the only slight concern that the two guys they spent a lot of money on that, you know, it has quite serious cap implications for next year and what they've had to do to restructure guys for the year after or whatever. Yep. You kind of need need something out of those guys. Well, what's so weird, two guys that analysts were really high on. Like, I think uh, I think Mina Kimes is brilliant and she thought that Julian Love was great. Like, she Julian thought it was Love, a, 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 yeah, was a, was a really exciting signing. And I was like, then I do as well. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, again, Bump, who uh, knows more about football than almost anyone I know, thought, man, I've watched a lot of Dre Jones tape and he can be really special. Um, and, and he clarified like in certain situations, um, but I, I'm, I'm going to give it a bit more time, but I agree with you. It's like the contributions we're getting, like, I feel like we've seen more from Boye Mafe than we've seen from your you know, two of your high price free agent signings. Mm-hmm. That's good because Boy Mafe is a second rounder and you want to see a lot from him, but you want to be able to, to, you know, have the money that you've spent come back and, and help you out, especially when you badly need help on defense. Yeah, that second round can be a bit of a dead zone for Seahawks. It's like, it is literally just like your DK or so weird. out of the team in yeah. two or three years. Uh, any thoughts from Sunday, Adam? Yeah, do you know what? I think someone that is being just not talked about enough and this goes completely against his last five years. I think DK Metcalf has like flown under the radar. I think he's been absolutely brilliant, particularly on Sunday. I thought he was amazing. 100-yard game and like no one seems to have talked about it. And he was just catching balls and just walking off. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we had a big chat about the penalty against the Rams. And for my money, the bad players are the liabilities. Like a player of DK's <laughs> quality is never a liability. Yeah. And if he gets a personal foul for 15 yards every game, I could could not care less because he is different class to anything we've probably ever seen from the Seahawks. And it's almost like people don't want to hype him up when he plays well because there's like, well, you know, you don't want to build him up too much because he gets arrogant or this idea that he's arrogant. Yeah. And I really hate the narrative around him because – I do too. Brian Walters was a problem. DK Metcalf is never a problem because he's brilliant. Uh, Brian Walters, the nicest guy. I'm sure he's the nicest (laughs) bloke. No, I know. I I started laughing and I thought, oh no. But like, you know, just having someone fair catch every punt and never catch an actual pass, that's a problem on my 53 roster. I totally hear you. And it's so funny. I feel the exact same way you do. And so when we had people, obviously DK didn't have the best week one. So when we had people texting in, cut DK. Get rid of him. I don't want that attitude. I'm like, look, DK isn't out committing crimes, okay? DK buys candy from the store and sometimes has an attitude on the field. That's it. Then he'll get you 100 yards and two touchdowns and he'll, like, body a cornerback. Like, it's fine. Um, I think that the most fascinating thing about DK Metcalf to me is so much of it, for me, feels like a generational thing. Like, DK is simultaneously um, hyper-masculine, and also a very different form of strength and toughness and masculinity than I think longtime football fans are used to seeing. And I know that's getting a bit out there with my own analysis of DK, no, no, but I think that uh, you're on it. Yeah, I think that there's um there's stereotypes about diva wide receivers that play into it because he is the closest to that body type, right? He is the closest to that traditional, like, you know, like a TO type that 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 the Seahawks have had. Uh everyone else has been, you know, Tyler Lockett. Doug Baldwin. They're smaller guys. They're a little more under the radar. They're low key. Um, so, but but another part of it is, I think people just don't understand DK sometimes. In DK's generation, he's very out there. He's comfortable with himself, and 
he he's gonna be the the enforcer sometimes i mean again bump mentioned this when we were talking about it week one he was like i know you might be used to like you know uh, a cam chancellor type or richard sherman being the enforcer but like it's okay if it's your wide receiver it's okay if it's someone you're not expecting it to be that's what you want right like you want someone that's going to set a tone for your team so i i love dk metcalf i think he's a phenomenal player he also is clearly not completely that version of himself off the field and i think a lot of people don't see that version yeah, um but, but he's also, so professional so yeah yeah but also he, he, instead of doing like skip bayless and blow hard on fox yeah. he, he goes and does yeah is it taylor rooks on and he goes, yes. on, and he goes on kevin garnett's podcast and said and gets his message out that way and yep. he's sponsored by nesquik so he's clearly like a different a different cat yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I think he's been he's cool. like, in detroit he was good and like he come back after whatever happened uh, with his ribs uh, last week as well. He's yeah, he's just but no, I didn't see anything about. I didn't even realize that hundred yard game until. Nor did I. You're so right. This podcast, it's yeah, it's yeah. man at least talked about. Um, but yeah, like it's it's it, it kind of feels like I think you said Adam on on our well, one of our group chats is that this they they now can go on a bit of a run. There's a potential they can go on a bit of a run here, and obviously the bye week comes. Uh, after, is it after Monday the bye week? Yeah, yeah. So like, there's a chat. This 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 potential. The, the conversation is going to shift from what it was, as you said, Stacey, on Monday morning after the Rams game to uh, by Halloween. It could be a completely different conversation around not yeah. just the team, but a lot of the people on it. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else, Adam? When the NFL this week? Anything Seahawks? Um, I mean the Dolphins. <laughs> Yeah, we should we, we should talk about like Walker and Charbonnet had really good games for what they yeah. were asked to do. Like Walker in particular, he you know, all those sort of bounce out runs that we weren't happy with last year, I feel he was converting them into into positives. And it it was, you know, yeah, it's not always the most glamorous thing to see your star wide uh, star running back just sort of plod through for four or five yards at a time but the game needed it in that first half and you know he was the reason they got a lot of those field goals which ultimately you accrue those points yeah. and you end up winning the game um and I, I thought it was probably the most like proper running back performance that he's yeah. put in that you would expect and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that but yeah for some reason, it's just not one of those things that's not being discussed. Yeah, you but know, also, I'm not. I, I don't do one of those guys. That no one's talking about. You know, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole like someone says Steph Curry's not a good shooter. That whole sort of meme. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah, I don't do that, that sort of vibe. <laughs> People are doubting <laughs> Steph, but yeah, yeah, exactly. what, he can but, hit those threes. But yeah. also, but also, also Stacey, it kind of feels like that we could look back like that Chablis run where he uh, Kyle Brandt is shouting about him far too early on TV. I have on network, but like, like the Chablis may have needed that kind of like run, that kind of moment that to like get his confidence and like that kind of sense of belonging in the league because he is, you know, he's a high second, high second round pick, but he's still a rookie, he's still getting his sea legs yeah. on him, isn't he? Yeah, it's weird. We're seeing, um, you know, kind of to answer that question in a roundabout way, we're seeing a lot of questions from listeners that are like, Where's Charbonnet? Where's Jackson? Where's Cam Young? Where's, you know, for a while it was Witherspoon and it's like, well, he's hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think that last year uh, we in Seattle were kind of spoiled with all of the really surprising and also immediate play and contributions that we had from rookies and, and even some second year players. And the difference was last year there were starting grabs uh, or excuse me, starting jobs that were up for grabs. 
this year, you know, you have Charbonnet coming in and that's really great. And, and, and he's looked solid. And I too would love to see more from him, but Ken Walker is also the, your, <laughs> your yeah. starter there. And as long as he's out there putting up an 18 yard reception and a 36 yard run and, and these really explosive plays, Hey, give him the rock if he's hot. And, and likewise, if DK is going off for 112 yards and your tight ends are contributing, well, then maybe Jackson doesn't get the ball that day. So I, I worry that right now there are some Seahawks fans that are seeing the lack of total snaps or production from from both Jackson and, and, and Charbonnet as a negative when in reality it's like, well, what you saw last year wasn't super normal. Like normally you are not <laughs> going to have that many rookies getting full-time starting roles. You're going to see more of a split and then they're going to acclimate, you know, as the season goes. I think that's what we're going to see from this year's rookies is something a little more quote normal. Yeah. And also like last week in Detroit, nine of the offensive players got a touch of the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah, Gino you know, or around the ball. Like it's still everyone's getting just not getting all of the touches because yes. it's just not how NFL games work, I guess. Uh yeah. Like, sorry, do, do you think sorry in terms of like your listenership and stuff like that. Do you think that kind of yeah, but attitude of like, if things are going well, yeah, but there's this, is that a Seahawk thing or a Seattle thing or an American thing in general? Because to give you sort of 30 seconds to ruminate on that, the soccer team I support Tottenham over here, um, we are now obviously the greatest team that's ever been seen. <laughs> of course, in the history of you, you nearly anywhere. left too long of a in the history of maybe any sport, let alone just <laughs> you know, we we might take on the Bulls of the nineties. Like there's arguably <laughs> never been a comparable sports team to Tottenham right True. now. True. However, after a two-two draw, <laughs> that's inconsequential, Stuart. That's inconsequential. However, yeah, but what if he gets injured? Is is sort of what everyone's saying? Yes. Whereas our rivals, who are obviously just horrific human beings. <laughs> They just assume everything's going to be brilliant regardless. So there's obviously a yeah, but attitude in with the Seahawks. Like I've followed the Mariners much more this season than ever before. And mm-hmm. I kind of get that, that vibe, but that's sort of years of pain and, and right. scars. There's context. But do you think that that general attitude is something that afflicts just the Seahawks? Like do the Kraken fans have mm-hmm. that yet? Do the Sounders mm-hmm. fans have that yet? Or is it just a case of, again, just the heightened emotions of an NFL season that fearing the worst is sort of what we do best. I think that's a bit more of what it is. Um, I think it's sometimes just sports fans. I think that uh, now the Mariners, by far, of all the teams in this city, have given fans reason to doubt and be a little bit nervous <laughs> and be kind of scared, uh, whereas the Seahawks have not. They've had an incredibly successful decade-plus under Pete and John. Um, but I think that uh, history always affects everything. So I don't see as much of a, yeah, but what about this when it comes to Seahawks fans? But I do see that uh, with the Seahawks defense. Mm-hmm. So there's that because there's now history there. Um, I think that there is just a fear in a sport where we see stars uh, go down all the time. Uh, that you are one or two players away from being irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And I think that people uh, understandably get very nervous when they know a team isn't completely dominant. Like the 49ers have proven that they can lose a starting quarterback (laughs) and be fine. Um, Not many teams are like that. Like, so I think that um, 
Seahawks fans right now are doing the yeah, but when it comes to young players because of the draft history with this team, really struggling there for the last 10 years and with the defense, mm-hmm. you're not really seeing it as much with wondering whether or not Seattle can have a good season or whether they can win because they've won. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's about very specific things. As opposed with the Mariners, it's it's just the whole thing. It's oh, they're going to blow this. <laughs> they're not doing it. They're done. Uh, yeah, but also uh, my point went completely out of my head. I've had too much uh, uh, cough sweets and uh, lemsip today. Uh, Adam, <laughs> oh blimey, too much alcohol. But then I, I think I may have even discussed this we like in the past, Stacey. But I guess time is a time is a flat circle with this stuff. Like, yeah, the Seahawks have had have been objectively good, but they haven't necessarily achieved their goals yeah. or reach yeah, totally. fan expectation for yep. eight or nine years. Whereas the Mariners mm-hmm. who are the same people that support this. I, I listen to, you know, Seahawk radio and catch up with people on social media. And it's, it's amazing here at li- looking at like, we don't have this because we support a soccer team and that's what yeah. dominates all of our life. And look, the Seahawks are an amazing kind of secondary thing for us, but to have two teams represent you in the same city is almost anathema to us, but it's, it's funny how the same people observe their two teams in such completely different ways when technically yeah. neither of them have hit their goals of fan expectation. Yeah. And actually some might say, well, I expect the Mariners to be shit. Whereas I <laughs> yeah. think the Seahawks should be yeah. good. And yet yes. it's that one that causes more doom than the, than the Seahawks, which is, and I think that's kind of what frustrates us a little bit more in the sense that we watch the games at, midnight and go to bed so we don't really have that vibe and unless we're out in seattle going to the tailgates and feeling just what an amazing community it is for us we kind of have the games and that's it so for us it's really frustrating and i find it almost bizarre that you get the same people that can be so down on one team not achieving their goals and so up on another team also not achieving their goals Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a really good point i think you mean um so up on the seahawks even though the seahawks have i mean and look, right. I know that I know that I think, there's only one Super Bowl given out each year, so it's it's yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're going to be World a, Series. We're going to be a decade yeah. away from a championship game at this rate. A decade away from going to just a title game, like yeah. to going to one and losing, right? Like they, I think, um, there is, I think, something that winning so much in the regular season and then it kind of falling apart in the postseason, uh, winning a lot erases a lot and there have been way too many off seasons where people have said it feels like 2012 like <laughs> yeah, every in year. 2015 every year. yeah when they uh fell to the carolina panthers it was in the postseason i want to say the divisional round um they started getting back into this game uh they put up a fight in the second half and they just <laughs> fell short every locker room interview i did after that you know it's kind of like 2012 that was still happening like eight years later it was mm-hmm. last year just it feels like 2012 the year where they won the <laughs> nfc and then lost in a horrible wild card game yeah it feels like 2012 so like <laughs> there is a kind of um winning a super bowl and having a really special era as short as it was does buy you a faith mm-hmm. that i think people lean into a lot and i would and many others uh would get fairly criticized for ever pointing out even a couple years ago like hey you know uh not like questioning necessarily Pete Carroll as a person, but like, is this working? Like, Hey, they need to get back to uh, an NFC conference game. Like, you know, what, what isn't working here? What isn't happening? Cause you can win 10 games in the regular season every year, but if you're losing in the wild card round, 
or if you're watching teams in your division surpass you, what's happening? And there's a fascinating conversation to have about drafting and, and all kinds of stuff and how you got to where you are. But the point is you haven't found the success that a true championship team has. And I, people were really angry about that kind of sentiment for a really long time. And I, and I often wonder, I'm having this realization in real life. (laughs) If I wonder if the Mariners 20 years of failure made people so grateful for what the Seahawks did that you were seen as ungrateful to look down Mm -hmm. your nose at a single playoff visit or you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. you guys have no idea how bad this team was in the 90s you have no idea what it's been like to watch the Mariners for 20 years you know this team gave you a fun season and it's it's that's when the Seattle culture thing comes in it's just a it's not a very aggressive region (laughs) like it's not a region that's gonna like to me to hear booze at a mariners game this year was the first time i'd ever heard booze in a mariners (laughs) game like it was very weird to hear booze week one for the seahawks i was like whoa like this has not been this city um so i think things are changing over time and people's expectations are getting higher but there was a weird you're right a a weird kind of dichotomy there yeah we're giving Um, you four hours of radio tomorrow if the Mariners were better, would the Seahawks get more criticism? I mean, that is gold. I listen to American radio. That is four hours of You can turn the microphones off and just let them call in. That is gold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, I guess what the Kraken's are, what, year three now, isn't it? I guess that's way, way yeah. infancy. That's just like... That's There's just still like, novelty with that, too. Yeah, kind of like, a, oh, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the ed- like the edibles just hit the other thing, isn't it? I think yeah. the crack of it's just, <laughs> it's it's, exactly uh, what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but like like yeah, it's this it is it is like, I think I said to Adam over the summer that like not having a trip book this summer kind of like left me a bit more disconnected from and what like watching especially the last two weeks. The first week was just garbage. Yeah, but awful. The last two weeks is uh, that kind of connectivity to the team and you're seeing all all comers like again this is the most times i mentioned colby parkinson on the podcast but things like that kind of watching that happen kind of like reconnects you to it and kind of gets you gets you juiced up for the next 13 weeks uh although Monday yeah. football can go and fly off the yeah i'm not watching that I am not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tuesday morning job i'm afraid that's a tuesday morning job yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. That's not good. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I've got the next four days off, and then there's a Seahawks game after a Ryder Cup weekend. Nah, that might not be happening either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but look, I, can we talk about the Dolphins just quickly? Because what has happened there? Because I, I was at work. I looked up. I think it was thirty-five, and then shout out Dan Cohen goes the Dolphins got how many I was like yeah they got like 42 points so I looked like oh shit yeah like add the, 30 yeah yeah like the Broncos <laughs> oh this just what like yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible and like but the, we, we talked about Mike McDaniel like he was if like he would be someone in ideal world who would be so much fun to watch coach yeah this like, oh, Pete, I Pete, love Pete, him Pete's Pete but Mike McDaniel everything he does Apart from not kick field goal at seventy and get seventy three points, yeah, my Sean, um, Sean Payton's pout even uh, uh, heavier. But, but yeah, my colleague described Mike McDaniel very similar, like being really fun, and he was like, 
he seems like someone that like draws up his game plans from playing Madden. Like I like to think that like he is currently in a college dorm was, room. Like that's where he's living and yeah. he's playing Madden with his friends. And he's like, guys, I have an idea. This is going to be crazy, but we're going to drop 70 on the Broncos. And here's how they have. I think what they've done so well is um, obviously take advantage of all of the incredibly speedy weapons they have. Uh, and that's through a lot of motion and misdirection and really cool stuff. But even outside of that, like there's stuff that continues to surprise me about this team. Like if I were to think who's the number one rushing team on a team with uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, I would think they're number one passing. I don't know that I would think rushing. They're the number one rushing team right now. That's going to probably level out as the season goes. It's heavily influenced by their win over Denver when, you know, their running backs went off, but they're good at every single thing, everything on the planet. Hmm. And it's just they have a great secondary. Like it's I without, I can't put the Jaylen Chiefs Ramsey. ahead of them, but without the without yeah, Jaylen without Jalen, oh, yeah, yeah. But my my Daniel used to be a Bronco Broncos ball boy, which kind of makes Sunday slightly funnier because oh, that is uh, he's, funny. He's, he's he's from he's from Qatar. Yeah, I I love for so many reasons. I'm not going to go into and everyone. The seven people listening though, it's just it's so funny. <laughs> it's gonna be forever be funny. That that and that and someone's Achilles popping on Monday Night Football after the fourth play. It's also I, I know you Americans have to be nice about this stuff, Stacey. Yeah, but, so we funny. Were, but you were laughing. We were howling <laughs> so on our WhatsApp group. Yeah, we were a, howling. There's a WhatsApp group where I just sent twenty eight ha ha has in succession when. Yeah, I know it's mean, but it's oh yeah. Uh, yeah, please. it's. I mean, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll live. Yeah. He's rich. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, fifty million dollars. Yeah. So I think you know, <laughs> I would. He can have my Achilles for fifty million dollars. Five. Right. I'll tear mine right now. Yeah, hundred I mean, yeah. percent. I'll do it right now. Yeah, right I mean, now. You watch. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've you've played flag football now. You've yeah. Your career's over. You've you said that. Yeah, be great. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Adam? No, I've got a few bins for you, though, Stu. A few good ones, I think. Uh, yeah, got go them. Okay, well, Stacey, you can plan your... Obviously, you've got your okay. spins, your, your bins ready. Also, Stacey, by the way, I'm really pleased that like you managed to get rid of all of your bad stuff on the other podcast that you did this week. So you were sort of primed <laughs> and ready for us this week. Oh, this was... this was That was the preseason. You know what I mean? This wasn't even my week one. Oh, this was my week two against the Lions, like, shootout. Like, I was ready for it. So I, I have three. So one, flying electronic space boy, Elon, with his new little noise on Twitter when you try and refresh the thing. It interrupts the podcast that you're listening to on your phone. It is uh, so annoying. What's that? Oh, there's it's got this new refresh noise on Twitter that if you, like, drag your thumb down and refresh it, it makes a noise and that interrupts your podcast or your Apple Play when you're absolutely not checking your phone when you're driving, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. When, when, you're um, driving, when you're driving 69 miles an hour, yeah? When you're not driving <laughs> and you check your phone when you're not driving. Sorry, mum, because I know you're really um, And then I've got, two, I've got two name ones. So Charles Davis and Ian Eagle. But it, his name is obviously Ian. <laughs> it's, I got in trouble, not in trouble. Uh, I had another host come in. I called him Ian Eagle. Uh, like but, a year ago, but that's and he his came name. in. He was like, "You're an idiot, right?" It's I A N. Be real. You're no just trying is... to be cool. I don't know what he's trying to be. It's not cool. But his name is Ian. Like not Ian, or make it I R O N if you want your name to yes. be Ian Eagle. Thank you. So yeah, you, you can have that one because he belongs is... in the van. 
he does belong in the bin with yeah. along with his iron. But why, his why, iron why? Just because of how he pronounces his name, or what? Yeah, hundred percent. Just because yeah. how he pronounces. So it's his not name. even like his. It's exactly his right. Abilities as a commentator, it's more pronunciation. He's, fine. he's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, all of that goes out the window because you pronounce your name in a stupid way. Mm. Uh, and my last one. Stacey, I think people are too willing to use the term big dumper at this stage. I've had enough of it. <laughs> I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot. Like, oh, that's a good one. You're talking about like a guy's like arse. Yeah. And I just yeah. think for that, for his name, like, you know, you might say like seven Cal Raleigh's for one big dumper. But like sure. there's there's shows that I listen, they just refer to me. Big dumper played well today. It's like, whoa, mm-hmm. it just feels like yeah. a little bit much. Box yeah. score. Did they, have, comma, did they not have it like lit up on the scoreboard like big they dumper did. yeah like the the teams leading into it and my theory has been like that cal secretly hates it and is like this do. is not to. a great time <laughs> there's just no way yeah i just think it's a bit much and they might want to reel that in having it on the scoreboard is a lot that's, that's a lot yeah, to get like the light configuration, like the light, the right light bulbs in the right place. I, I just thought it was a lot. So we've, that, we've had people just call him Dumper, which is like it's it's now been shortened to where you don't even call him Cal, which is easier to say and shorter and takes yeah, less time yeah. to type. It's Dumper. <laughs> Dumper. Yeah, d- d- Dumper's a bit better because that could be. Yeah, no, what can it be, Stuart? I, I don't, I don't worse. know. I think I it's know. worse. <laughs> it might be worse. I think it's much worse. It's, oh, I'm just thinking the person who's typed that onto the typeface for the scoreboard. Imagine getting that as like the running order brief. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 so I think that's a lot. I think it's a lot, Stacey. And I think you are sort of our voice in the Seattle media. And I think you can take any message from this I'll podcast. Get it out there. I think, or, or at, least be tell, that clip do that. at least tell him, at least tell him that I respect his name, but I do not I respect will. Ian Eagle's name because that's not his I name. Will. Is, I, I is, will tell him. Is Mr. Eagle the one who had the blank space reference? Is that him? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, Which is good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, but also, like, I think for them to really work, you have to go like the B sides. You have to like show you've done your research on like Taylor Swift yeah. songs. Really, like, dive they, in. they'd have gone way over my head, but yeah, like the Swifties now listening and understanding football and yeah, flow charts, they would have really picked up on. Also, it. as um, we said, like Charles Davis sounds more natural on Madden now than in real life. <laughs> I, 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 I thought Mr. Eagle was quite good on, on Sunday. It's irrelevant, Stuart. Doesn't yeah. say his name right. Charles Davis is yeah. another is another is another thing. But um my bin is uh I'm I don't know what's going on with my timeline, but Dove Kleiman is everywhere over it. Like I think he's the only person I follow on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> like, it's all I see. And it's just like quote tweets of aggregated stories that he's uh, it's just insane. Like there's the Chandler Jones is going through, clearly going through something. He just keeps yeah. tweeting, like, stop it, man. Yeah, so he can get in a bit. And the reaction to um, McDaniel, uh, Mike McDaniel not kicking a field goal was just insane. Oh, it's really respectful. He put 70 points on him. Like, like, he knew what he was doing, and it wasn't that respectful. It just, like, just finding a way for a coach to, like, just to protect Sean Payton, who can also get in the bin because, like, just stop pouting. Like, yeah, go away again. Well, yeah, I don't like John Payton and seeing him give up seven. It was quite funny. But yeah, do- honestly, I'm going to like screen record my timeline, I think, and just, it's just Dove climbing yeah. and it's doing my, 
Over, over and over. Do, do over and it's and him saying sources. And his yeah. sources are it's, Googling and going to other websites. Yeah, it's, it's like it's at, his source is Adam Schefter's timeline. It's like Ian Rappaport yeah. from like yeah. three yeah. years ago. No, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We've seen and, a, so many of those just like a- aggregate kind of accounts like that that are like, yeah. I know what your source is. This was an exclusive interview this person had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone for you, Stacey, in the, in the old uh, bin? Yes. I'm going to do I'm gonna do two. Is that okay? Can I do yeah, two? Yeah, please. Yeah. Do ten. Okay. Now, my fir- well, my first one in the bin probably includes far more than one person. It's going to be a type of person. And it's uh, and I'm so sorry if, if either of you are this person. It's not personal. It is the person who responds who cares to the Taylor uh, to uh, Swift Kelsey things, because the answer is millions of people. Everyone cares. <laughs> like, it's one of the greatest ever cares. stories. And I think that what we do collectively in sports is we don't realize that sports is uh, like a little niche subject that like we love. And it's obviously hugely relevant in, in a cultural context, but that like Selena Gomez is more famous than Patrick Mahomes. And I think that there are so many sports fans who cannot comprehend that. Taylor Swift is more famous than any person playing in the NFL right now. <laughs> and, and, and I think person. there are NFL, any person. And I think there are NFL fans that truly are like, who cares about this? And it's like everyone. Everybody cares. And it is possible that something is just not important to you and you can just keep it moving. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the audience for this and that's okay. So that person goes in the bin. It's been a tough week for them, commenting a lot of tweets. (laughs) My other person going into the bin is, he may not have done it maliciously, the kid that threw the ball at George Kirby in last night's Mariners game. He can go in the bin too. Did he throw it like definitely at him? So I had a friend. And if so, should sat... the Mariners consider signing him for the that was, yeah, that was against the Rangers? That was, that was, that was an He had a cannon for an arm. <laughs> he, the story that was told to me by my friend who sat like two seats away is the ball bounced off the mezzanine and it it's a foul ball from an Astros player. He, he bounces down, he catches it, and she said he just picked it up and threw it. Like he wasn't even thinking he just pick it up and threw it out there. So – He's going in the bin not for being a bad person, just for being a dumb person. And like sometimes being dumb gets you in the bin. You know what I mean? It's not just for bad people. Quite right. It's a bin for dumb things too. Yeah, like like someone's pronunciation of their own first name gets you in the bin. Yeah. So well, which actually, is wrong. <laughs> I've just been reminded of another one that I need need to do. And Stuart, you might want to make a cup of tea at this stage, but I think the oh, entire no. British public needs to go in the bin. Oh, for wow. Making- Jess and Sammy, Sammy in particular, the winner of Love Island 2023. Stacey, your thoughts? Oh, my God. I could not believe it. I thought for sure it would be Whitney. And I cannot believe that it wasn't Whitney. And the fact that it was Jess and Sammy when their relationship was so toxic and when Sammy found a million and five ways to basically tell Jess to her face at times that he was not attracted to her and she was lucky to be with him was appalling. I have no idea what is wrong with your guys' country. My people didn't vote on this, but I was appalled. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, and finally, I this is how thought... everyone else felt about Donald Trump. Finally, I can point the finger. <laughs> I think people really liked Jess and as a result kept sure. voting for her without realizing they were just adding to the toxicity because we had to get Sammy the fuck out of there at the first he sign of danger. was horrible. Truly horrible. And there was an interview, wasn't there, with Mal. And I sent it to you when she was like, yeah, uh, Sammy pretty loudly, and it was really uncomfortable, was talking about how he wasn't normally attracted to girls like Jess. And I kept saying, be quiet. Don't say this so loudly. I know. It's. It, I felt horrible for her. I felt like um, 
all of us have been so into someone that clearly didn't feel the same way, but like was just interested enough. And it was so painful to watch yeah. it. Shame on the British public. I agree. <laughs> I, and look, as, as, as a former king of the friend zone, I've been in that situation many <laughs> times. So I, I, I get it. I, I get it 110%. I did think, <laughs> yeah, props to the producers who I did think did some good stuff. Some good yeah, stuff this, this is a great season. A great I really, season. really like this season. It had Fantastic. the perfect Love Island arc of the first week, me saying, Well, I'm not watching this. This is rubbish. And yeah. then it just grew. <laughs> and then by the time Casa and Moore hit, we were flying. And, and the return from Casa episode deserves an Oscar, a Grammy, a BAFTA, yes. uh, a Super Bowl, uh, a pen yeah. in the rafters. It's one of the greatest Everything. ever episodes of television. Yeah, NFC Offensive Player of the I, Week. I'd award awarded. it the Ryder Cup this week if I could. It deserves <laughs> yeah. it deserves that sort of accolade. <laughs> Completely agree. Ten past midnight. We do this once a year. Stacey I know, I know, I know. But, but, yeah, come on. But, but we've gone an hour, and I thought, this one, I'll cut out. Scott no. Free, it's been like... I couldn't yeah, wait to... I, the entire reason I did this yeah, is no, to get to fair, the Love Island yeah, portion. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, fair, that's, that is also what I thought when I was like, he said, oh, Stacey's always like, Sam, I know what's coming. Yeah, but an hour in, I thought I've done it. I've managed to watch it. <laughs> we yeah. did it. Yeah. This is the benefit yeah. of doing no production or pre-planning street. You've got no idea what no. I'm ever going to say. No, no, no. Yeah. no. I, 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 you know I what? feared that one was coming. I think we should include you in the no, Twitter not. thread yes. of Love Island Chatter. Yes, it's happening. <laughs> no, Don't no, worry. No, 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 it's no, done. No, no, Say no. less. No. So you need to be informed about the key issues in society, and this is one of those yeah. things. It's like a microcosm for the world. Exactly. Well, can I spend 10 minutes talking about the Ryder Cup this weekend? Is that all right? Are you guys big wow. on the Ryder Cup? This year? <laughs> Are you guys doing much Ryder Cup, Stacey? Or is that not? Is no. that not? That strikes me as no. a more KJR than ESPN 710 thing. We are not. We are not doing a ton. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's because Europe are going to win. Um, yeah. Also, talking of the golf, that's one of the best Sundays of sport before the Seahawks game. Like, Caroline Headwall is a name that no one has heard of. Stacey probably hasn't heard of, even though I've just said the name. And it's one of the all time. <laughs> Sporting performances over an hour, and it's just, yeah, it was, it's, yeah, match play golf is the best golf, and when it's the best golf, it's the best TV, and it's, it was really fucking cool to watch uh, someone who didn't play for two days pull it out of the bag, and yeah, Stacey's eyes have glazed over completely. So glazed. Uh, so glazed. Yeah, that's I gotta I wait, you just need to be like, and let's talk Zach and Molly, and then I'll yeah. sit right back up. Right, uh, those, hold those, on, those... hold on, that's part two, or... <laughs> Okay, great. Let's get go on, back Stace. You go. go on. You go. So my thing about Zach and Molly is um, I think that uh, she clearly was more invested in him. I think he kind of romanticized what he thought was a very calm person, like idealized her, but maybe wasn't actually as connected to her. Uh, also, the, the the TikTok videos. Like, you're telling me, Zach, that, like, this is your vibe. This is up <laughs> your alley. Like, this is what you want to do with your life. I didn't hate Molly as much as the British public seemed to hate Molly. Um, I did that. think that her early appearance was like, she was unlikable. I didn't hate her. I just thought like, why is she here? She, why was she brought back? I get the initial drama. Great, great move by production. But then you're telling me she went all the way to the, to the final. What? I know. I thought That's the producers great. after one of the great moves of kicking her out, yeah. kind yeah. of folded like a sort of cheap deck of cards. Yeah. 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 By bringing her back. We didn't need her. And actually, I don't, it neutered Zach a little bit. Yeah, it did. And he, they, were, they were a boring couple. 
they didn't do anything. There were times you'd forget they were there. And I think that there were enough people that thought, well, maybe it's because they're a genuine couple and they like each other. No, I think they just sat around and kind of looked at each other's eyes and occasionally talked trash about other Islanders. Yeah. That's what well, happened. Look, neither of us will be getting a snog or a marry from Stu. We'll both be getting a fat pie for this conversation. So we're both in the we bin. Should, it's we're okay. Both we'll, in the bin. we'll put ourselves Stuart, in. Go on. We're in the bin. No, on, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into. I knew when I stayed up. Uh, yeah. Um, Depriving you of crucial recovery sleep to talk about that. No, it's fine. I'm, honestly, yeah. one of the greatest things ever I'm happened to me. Four days. I don't. Yeah, I'll be in the pub as soon as I wake up tomorrow. I think just to go over this last seven minutes of podcasting. I've got to edit this. I've got to listen to that again. Damn right you do. <laughs> Take notes. Um, so, well, You're lucky we didn't go through the other two couples. Exactly. It's Love Island All Stars next summer. They could be back. All-Stars? All think so, think so. Love, Love Island has an All-Star game and the Premier League does not. Um, yeah, wow. What are you watching? <laughs> How does it make sense? It's, it's real entertainment, Stuart. It's, 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 yeah, it's a real game. game. It's, it's a real game. game. It's a real <laughs> game. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about football, the football anyway. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, uh, how is... Uh, the radio show, Michael Bumpus is uh, how's how's that going? Because obviously, I think when we last spoke to you, it's like it's like kind of a new duo. Yeah, yeah. I think like, we're like going in on like just over like uh, we're like I'm counting it in baby time now. I'm like we're at about eighteen months. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like a show. Uh, it's great. I I love working with Bump. He is so funny. Um, and I didn't know him a ton before. He's so much funnier than I thought he was. And that sounds like an insult, but he was just so chill. He's got like that California cool. Like you guys have talked about, like he's just so very relaxed. Uh, but he's, he's a great time. Knows a ton about football, knows a ton about college football. We'll talk about it endlessly. It's been great. It is. This is the time when like this guy is going to shine. It's going to be the most fun season. And and the Huskies are in the national conversation as, yes. as well. Like Joel Clapp was saying that, was it the scariest team in the country earlier? I think it's what this offense is crazy good. They're yeah. they're absolutely amazing. Now I'm a little nervous when they're gonna face some other competition later, but it's not gonna start with yeah. Arizona, but, you know, but you know this is the last year that ever actually matters, right? <laughs> right. It's like you can't just rip up your history and start again and expect it to mean anything. You know that, right? It, it, no, no, no. It's, Wazoo is gonna own all of this and Oregon State is what's gonna happen. It is such can I just say and I know that you guys are wrapping this up, but it is such a bummer. No, no, you keep that, going. Go, go. Okay. That one of the most, not only just fun, but uh, objectively great uh, and deepest conferences is about to completely disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. have the second most teams ranked and uh, and really good programs. I mean, the top four Heisman candidates, the top three offenses, one, two, three in order, all in this conference. And it's just such a bummer that, and like malpractice that yeah. the, the the leaders could not get a media deal done. I just I continue to be baffled and and angry also. Yeah, and that and now Dion's added into it as well, which is just yeah. so much. I think it's fun. Like the the scoreline on uh, Saturday night was yeah, but, but I think the way not he's right. da- I think the way he's dealt with it kind of like shows that yeah he might be quite good at this. He's not like just yeah. the one. One trick, you just have a one track mind kind of thing for this stuff. It's it was okay. quite impressive how we dealt with it. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's everything. Uh, are the Mariners going to win tonight and stay alive, Stacey? 
I hope so. I mean, I'm going to be covering this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I don't. Um, I'm a little nervous about today's lineup, uh, but I, I think that this team can be. Uh, someone else was saying this. This team can be streaky, and uh, a win last night. I hope is the beginning of a good streak, as opposed to mm-hmm. a one-off. So. At, 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 well, baseball's not like so. I'm. Um... I haven't really I've watched many games this season, but of course social media kind of why why at this point of the season is he just not playing the nine best players to play he seems to be going matchups in a do or die yes. game right? so just play like the best players, surely, because if they're the best players they're gonna come good it's, at the height yeah. of moments kind of thing. I don't know. It's one of the kind of no I don't want to say biggest controversies. Like it's certainly not the biggest controversy, but what a lot of people were upset about when they saw the lineup, it was the same thing. Um during a game two against the Rangers was, Hey, if Kelnick's playing well, or if Ford is playing well, who, you know, uh, are two guys that aren't necessarily in this lineup, why not put them out there? And the Kelnick in years past was like, Oh, well he can't get lefties. So if a lefty's pitching, you don't put him out there, but he can. So people are really confused. Cause they're like, wait a minute. If Kelnick is performing better against lefties than is Sam Haggerty. Why is Sam Haggerty in the lineup? So I don't know if there's, you know, an injury update we're going to get or if there is, you know, a personal thing that we just aren't privy to. And and certainly Scott Service wants more than anything to win this game. But I don't always love these lineup decisions because they're very numbers based in a way that sometimes I think tries to outthink the room. Yeah, and the biggest controversy would be the manager, Scott Service, turning up to the game in normal clothes, changing into the uniform of the team for no reason, and then changing back into his clothes. That that strikes me as as the the biggest thing we need to drill down on and work out what's going on there. Have you guys ever heard of Rube Waddell? This is only related in the baseball sense, but not the Mariner sense. No. I just introduced, I talked to a friend about him the other day, and he had never heard of Rube Waddell, which is one of my favorite baseball players of all time and that he was an amazing player and also um, insane. And he would get dressed heading to the mound before a game. So like he would show, this is in like 1890, you know, so it's, he would show up to the game, like as the game was starting and walk through the stands and like take a beer from a fan, chug it. And (laughs) and then like, he would get distracted by fire trucks. Um, Fans would bring shiny objects to distract him. I'm telling you, this is a true story. Look up Rue Waddell. It is an amazing story. We had a manager in soccer called Tony Pulis, who, again, would turn up wearing normal clothes to a game, change into the team tracksuit, oh, yeah. which is yeah. sort of fine, but he would then shower <laughs> with the players after the game and, swear to God, at one point got an altercation and headbutted his star striker in the showers at full time of the no. game. And this wasn't in the 19th century. This was, no, this was about nine six years, years ago. ago. Yeah, like he's only been out of a job like eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's he definitely normal. Just jumping in the shower his, with the boys. And he didn't lose his job for the headbutt either. He lost his job because, yeah. Were they losing? Is that what? Oh, okay. No, no. Uh, he left on yeah. his own terms. Yeah, I think he did. But he's yeah. Welsh, which is always a slightly different complexion on things. You know, when they're not really. Yeah, we're right, right. UK-based podcast, but we don't really relate to those people over Everything there. I know about Welsh people I know from Love Island still. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. Still. And course. Catherine's at a go. Yeah. And Prince Harry's dad was the Prince of Wales. 
and also important things. Yeah, so yeah that's sure. the there only, we go. The there we go. We've got uh, Stacy on the Ped Pod bingo covered with Prince Harry mentioned as well. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just Megan and done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where, where can people catch the show? I think it's more podcasts over this side of the pond. But where can they go yeah. to catch that and your writings as well and all social media stuff? So uh, you can check out the podcast almost wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and it's just Bump and Stacy. It's uh, every single day we podcast the whole show. Um, you can uh, check out any of our work, whether it's videos from Bump, articles from me, game previews at seattlesports.com. And if you have our app, it's also on the app. You just hit the little news icon and then you get to read everything. Awesome. Uh, we, we, we will have to lean on you to get Bump on the show and talk about like receivers and stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, stuff really sounds like something that's going to be fun on here. Uh, usual means and methods, uh, Pod, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. Until next time, yep. enjoy the and game. And the Twitter account, Stuart. And the Twitter, and the Twitter account, account. Sorry. Yeah. I the verified, up a, I tweeted the up verified a Twitter on, account, no less. I tweeted up a storm on Sunday. I you tweeted did. the Balor clip of his amazing flop, which we haven't spoken about. Is incredible. Uh, he just took a flop for no real reason, wasn't really touched. And then obviously the Doug Baldwin stuff, where like they're talking about T Jack, and I, 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 I said to you, Adam, I can't, I forgot how close I made, I got to making Doug Baldwin cry talking about Tobias Jackson. It was wild watching that. Oh, yeah, yeah never forget before all these, like, you know, it's like Stacey's like media got hold. We've got Doug Baldwin before anyone, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't they, let yeah. anyone ever forget yeah. that. Wasn't we were super- first. Yeah, and the rest of you just True. jumped on our jumped on the pedestrian yeah, podcast bandwagon, yeah. bandwagon yep. and just nicked yep. our guest. Yeah, that's okay. Exactly yeah. What it is. And that's now we're okay. being left on red. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the friend zone thing is yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I think I'm still there. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you usually mean best to enjoy the game Monday night. Enjoy. Hopefully. Everyone's listening to this after the Mariners beat the Astros tonight. Uh, yeah, until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks. Mm-hmm.